Blog Talk Radio. So, hello, I'm Laura Mize, pediatric speech-language pathologist, and welcome to Teach Me to Talk, the podcast. Today, we're going to be doing a topic that I I cannot recall (laughs) ever really doing a show about this. And so I'm excited to do this topic, and I hope that it helps you, but it is a little geared toward therapists. So if you're a parent, today we're going to be talking about how to coach parents, and so my parent coaching model. So I don't want to discourage you from listening to the show if you're a parent, because here's the truth. You can use this same strategy as you teach other people how to help your child. So don't just read the topic and then think, oh, this is not for me, this is just for therapists. And let me just say, I'll try to remember that as we go through. But part of this this discussion today really, really, really will be geared toward pediatric speech-language pathologists and other early intervention therapists. We have a lot of OTs that listen to the show, and guys, we're about to hit a million listeners. I'm so excited. That's so exciting for me. Uh, But a lot of OTs listen to this show because they'll say, hey, I don't know too much about language or as much as I want to know about language, and most of the kids on my caseload have speech delays, so I started listening to your show just to increase my knowledge base, which is phenomenal. I have some friends who are PTs who listen. (laughs) Uh, And then lots and lots of other disciplines like early intervention uh, specialists or teachers, as I always say, teacher people, developmental interventionists is what they call them in my state of Kentucky or developmental therapists. So this this show really is leaning heavily uh, for people who do what I do, which is teach parents of toddlers with communication challenges how to work on language at home. And remember, we can work on language anywhere, anytime. There is no magic place. And so if you're a therapist who practices in a clinical setting, you may think, oh, gosh, I really only have parents come in at the very end. Or if you're in a school setting, you may think, oh, gosh, I don't see parents at all. This this is not relevant to me or applicable. Let me just try to challenge your philosophy or your belief with that because I think even in meetings – even if you are just seeing parents for an annual IEP or if you're a therapist who sees maybe a child at daycare and you hardly see a parent at home or hardly have, or, or let's say you see them with mom but, but suddenly you switch and you see them with dad or grandparents or something, you need to always have these kinds of parents strategies or coaching strategies ready. If you're a therapist and you work with paraprofessionals or assistants or staffers, whatever you call them in your particular program or agency, this same methodology can also be used beyond working with families. So other staff members that you need to train or or help or encourage <laughs> this maybe can be or not maybe this is a fantastic resource for you to use and let me just talk to you about coaching in general you know I, this is what i've said and this a lot of this information too is from my course is it autism so if you want to see video clips of coaching and how that really really looks especially with hard kids get your hands on a copy of that uh, course on DVD because it's, you've got some really good practical 
video clips to watch, and sometimes it's so helpful to see somebody do it in real life because you can read about a strategy or technique that you should be using, and you understand it, or you can do it, but then you watch somebody do it, and you just get all kinds of new ideas for yourself because you might think, well, I've never thought about it that way, or I've never tried it this way before, or that works better, or I think that would be a better fit for me than how I've done it before. So check out that course, and if you, today is June 29. 2017. So I'm running a big 25% off course sale uh, through tomorrow, I believe it runs. So if you haven't gotten that course, and this and it's on sale is my point about that. It'd be a good time to get it if you've been thinking about doing that, and especially if you need some help with coaching. Now, lots and lots of us have used coaching for years. We used to call it parent education. <laughs> We've called it all kinds of things. And I, as I said in my course, is it autism? You know, I, I, and I think I might have said this on the show before too, but, you know, I was coaching before coaching was cool. <laughs> you know, now uh, that, that's all the rage in so many state early intervention programs. They actually want therapists not to do a lot of direct hands-on therapy, which you know, I've gone off about this before on the show. I think as therapists, we should, you know, we're trained to treat kids. We're trained to address whatever challenge it is or whatever deficit we see going on with a little one. And we're not really, really educationally trained, or we weren't then, to really coach parents how to do it. You know, that's kind of an adult education program is a big part of our jobs now as early interventionists and pediatric therapists. You know, if the model in these state early intervention programs is don't do a lot of one-on-one -on -one treatment anymore, really teach the parents how to do it and then watch the parents do it and then coach the parents through it, that's fantastic, and that's what we're going to be talking about today. But in my opinion, it never, ever replaces totally my clinical obligation to really do what I can do with that child who is the client after all. So again, I'm not saying that I totally, that I only do parent coaching because as you're going to see when you're, we're doing this model and we're talking about how I do it and how it's worked for lots and lots and lots and lots and lots of other people, um, we never want to forget that personalized component especially with doing that, still continuing to do a part, at least some of our treatment as direct one-on-one uh, -on -one intervention with that child. And here's why. If we don't know how to do it with a kid, if we can't show a parent, hey, this works, this is how it should look, they don't ever know how to do it. And a lot, I, I, you may not still hear that from people because there's so many people out there now that, um, experts with early intervention who really don't do any direct, even modeling with the child. They'll do lots of recommendations, like coaching parents to do it. And, again, that's fantastic. And if you'll watch the Is It Autism DVD, I have a little family on there that I just, oh, gosh, I loved them to pieces when I worked with them. But their little boy hated my guts. <laughs> I mean, oh, my goodness. I don't think I've ever had a child dislike me as much as this kid did. But here's what was going on. He was really, really, really disengaged from people. And it took him a long time to warm up. He's on the spectrum. And he had such horrible experiences with therapy initially and he's smart enough to know it that when he saw a lady <laughs> who was not his mom, I think he just kind of turned into um, 
let me just shut down, let me avoid, let me escape, let me do anything I can to get away from this person because this person is a teacher or a therapist. And I think in, in his opinion, he, didn't, he doesn't like us at all. And again, because it's the, th- the things that we've asked him to do are so extremely hard. So parent coaching in that situation was all I could do with work until he got to know me and as you as you would see through that course there I got to finally do a lot of things with him myself. But the majority of his treatment plan consisted of me watching him with mom and saying, Let's do this, let's try this and, and this parent model that we're gonna talk about today, I would I would I saw him at home in his home and I would go in and say, here's what we're going to do today, and here's what I want us to try. Or based on something that she said to me, I would say, okay, great, that sounds fantastic. Here, here's how we can use this. And so, again, I'm not saying that you will never exclusively only do coaching, but in some situations and in some programs, that's pretty much all they want you to do. And, he, and here's why, too, and if you're a parent listening, I know you can appreciate this, You are with your child much more than anybody else. And so it behooves you (laughs) to know what to do and how to do it and how it works. My point to therapists is, though, you can't solely depend on just counseling a parent through that. They've got to see you. And if you don't know how to do it, if you can't show a parent how to do it, I just don't think you're going to be as successful with talking a parent through it as you would with them actually watching you. And that's why that direct one-on-one therapy is never, ever, ever a substitute, even for, you know, products that even stuff like mine, even reading the therapy manuals or watching the DVDs or taking a course, it's never, ever, ever as good as a person who is there with you and with your child and can show you exactly what to do based on what your child is doing. And so, again, my point about all of this is I really think the best treatment model, especially for toddlers, is to rely heavily on something like this where you are going to talk to a parent about what to do, but then you're actually going to do it, and then you're going to talk about how it went (laughs) after the fact. And so that doesn't leave out that direct treatment piece. And, again, it doesn't matter who's doing that with the kid, in my opinion. It's better if a parent can do it because, again, they're with the kid many, many, many more hours, and they really need to know how to do this stuff, do implement these strategies that we're teaching them. Uh, But at the same time, I don't think that we as therapists should pull completely out of that and should just rely on telling a parent what to do. I mean, in as I've kind of quipped in live conferences and I've gotten in a little bit of trouble for saying it, but I'm going to say it again, that's kind of like social work. Or it's it's almost paramount to a parent reading a book about it and then implementing it versus you being there and saying, hey, let's try this, let's do this, look, watch me do this. Or even when you're having a parent watch you do something and it goes terribly wrong, you can say, well, that was awful, don't do it that way. <laughs> and so you can kind of use your own mistakes Uh, But my point is you've still got to be working with that kid so that the parent can see what to do. All right, so let's talk about this. Um, And, again, let's go back to what I mentioned before about the parent education piece. And if you are not in a home setting when you do therapy or if you're in a clinical environment or an office environment and you don't routinely have parents participate with you in sessions, you may just be, you know, doing the what I call, you know, the handoff at the door 
where you're saying to a parent, he did great today, see you next time. Or you may, hopefully you're doing better than that. You're saying, this is what we did today, and, you know, your little subjective review of he did great or he didn't like it or this is really hard for him or, you know, whatever your little statement is, and then you'll say, and this is what you can do at home. That is better than nothing where you're giving them kind of the five-minute rundown, and hopefully it's at least that long at the end of the session. It's better than nothing, but there, I, you know, in my heart of hearts, really believe that the best treatment model that we can use for toddlers and preschoolers with language delays would be working with a parent who's working with their child while you're all there together. So that's what we're going to be talking about um, today. And, again, don't wig out on me and send me nasty grams, <laughs> bad emails or comments on the website that say, I can't do it like that. Why did you say that on the show? you got to work within your own model. But let's just talk about when you do have an opportunity to educate parents and to work with parents and talk with parents. This is, in my opinion and based on my experience, how this should look. So, again, coaching here means we work directly with the parents who are also working directly with their child, and we make suggestions and we tweak as we go. And, again, let me just give that little cautionary thing, especially to new therapists. Please don't get so caught up in coaching that you forget that you really can do some direct intervention and do some um, really, really fantastic direct treatment and you talk about that in your notes or to your supervisor or whoever doesn't think that's a good idea anymore, what you're really doing is modeling. You're, you're teaching a parent how to do it. You are showing them, and again, modeling is the best kind of professional terminology there. Um, and then the reverse demonstration and all that. But we'll get to all that, we'll, but let's, let's talk about the premise here for parent coaching. I think parent coaching starts immediately, and again, some of us are so reluctant to do that. You know, we'll go do our, our meeting summaries that we talk about how it went with a kid, um, what they could and couldn't do on an assessment, or even if we're further than that, further along than that, um, we may just kind of get in that delivery mode as far as we tell a parent what's happening, but we don't do a lot of making suggestions for them or recommendations for them um, with what they could do to enhance their child's speech-language development. Now, we years and years ago, we might have given advice like, you know, read to your baby, talk to your child all day long, those really general things. That's not what I'm talking about here. I want to dig in and talk to parents specifically about what the, the just the down and dirty, this is how you do it. You know, you've told me that when he wants something, he doesn't even look to you to try to get it for him. He tries to get it himself. Or you shared with me that he just has a holy meltdown every time he's in the bathtub and you don't know which toy he wants. You know, that's what we're talking about, these kinds of strategies. How do you teach a parent what to do in the thick of the day when things are not going as well as anybody would like? What, what are we going to do then? How are we going to address this? What is this specific problem that we are going to solve? And, again, we're not talking about those specific strategies today, but we're talking about how we coach a parent through that and how we talk to a parent through that. And, you know, again, a lot of therapists, especially new therapists, 
really get caught up in, okay, I'm really going to coach this parent. I'm going to, this is my newest client. I'm starting with this parent coaching model. Most of my efforts are going to be directed toward the parent so they can carry this through and so they can make a big difference in the day-to-day communication skills of their child. But then something happens. The parent, it doesn't go as as well as the therapist thinks it should go. Or the parent is reluctant and doesn't really participate. Or a parent might just outright refuse. And sometimes, and I know I've shared this story over and over on the podcast, but when I first started doing home visits back in the 90s, a lot of times parents really took my visit as, woohoo, this hour is off. I'm going to go outside and work in my flower bed, or I'm just going to go lay down back here while you see my kid and you kind of wake me up when this is over, or I would kind of laugh and say it was a smoke break for some parents. They would say, hey, I'm going to go out here and smoke, and I'll be back in an hour, have them talking by the time I get back. (laughs) Thankfully, I don't think that happens as much as it, it did in the 90s when I first started working with toddlers, but I know it happens because... I get emails from therapists who say, hey, I really want to coach and I really want to talk to these parents and I really want to help them learn how to do it, but I cannot get them to participate. I cannot get them to stay with us or uh, while I work with their child. What can I do to change this dynamic? So let me give you my best tips, and we can put this kind of in the context of a big parent coaching excuse me, parent coaching model, and I really call this uh, introduce, do, review. And so that's easy for everybody to remember. And, and again, if you're a parent, and you can use these strategies too. You can use this kind of model to teach your husband what goes on, or your, your child's dad, what goes on during therapy. You know, he, he might say, hey, you know, what are, just tell me, teach me how to do this. What, are, what, y'all, what have y'all been doing in therapy? Tell me how to do what you've been learning. And so you can use this with anybody that you are teaching. If you are a parent and you want your mom to be more involved, so the child's grandparents or your child's teachers, your daycare teachers, you can use a modified version of this introduce, do, and review once you learn these components and how to kind of slip this in there. You can use that with anybody. So let's just review, (laughs) review, the review. Let's review what these steps are. Let me explain to you what these things are. And again, this is not something that's so hard that, I mean, I feel like any therapist, any level of previous experience with families, you know, new therapists can do this. Seasoned therapists can do this. This It's a great, great, great model to use and really be able to carry over. So introduce, do, and review. What's the introduce part? This is where you are discussing what you're going to do. So you are planning. So if you've done any of the other um, parent coaching, the big wig people who who talk a lot about that, uh, Rush and Sheldon, if you've done any of their courses, I think they call this planning. But what you're doing is, and, and it's a big part, too, of if you are, are in a state early intervention program of the IFSP, where we are really looking at families' daily routines and we are planning, we are thinking about a family's needs. You know, what are the problems? What are the things that are challenging for this parent? What have they identified 
they need help with. So this is the introduced part of that, but it's actually a little bit a uh, step beyond that. You know, the parents have identified the problem or you've identified the problem or the situation that they need help with, and so you are making recommendations of, okay, well, here's how I would do it. Here's what I think we should do. So you're discussing the technique, and you're explaining why that works even before you do it. Now, lots of times that's where we screw up as therapists. We don't explain, well, not only do we not explain what we're doing, we just think, oh, they're here, this mom's watching, she's, she, we'll say something silly like, she's a good mom, she can pick it up. <laughs> no. <laughs> Some of my most challenging families to work with have been parents who are, you know, have highly, highly, highly uh, educated parents who have just, you know, a huge academic background and you know sometimes we again stereotype and think well they're going to watch me do this and they know how to carry this over at home that it just is not true and so we have to really talk to parents about specifically what we're doing and again I think we need to take it a step further and explain why or the rationale between what we're doing because sometimes parents don't recognize what we're doing really as even, I don't want to say valuable, but they just don't understand the logic. They think, sometimes parents will say things like, oh, you're just playing, or I didn't think that was, I didn't think that was really the important part of what you were trying to get me to do, or I left that part out. Like, you'll be saying something about pausing and expectant waiting and making their face look like they're anticipating that a child is about to respond, and, you know, a parent will say, well, I didn't know that was part of it. I just thought that was something you do. Or, you know, so we have to really explain why we're doing what we're doing. So give them concrete reasons. So that's the introduction part sometimes takes, you know, more than 30 seconds. So especially in the beginning when you first start therapy. And, again, if you have not seen my Is It Autism course, there's some good examples on there. There's a family that I've met with. I'm meeting with them for the second time. So I've done one visit to evaluate their little girl, and then we're going over the report. And this is what I was going to say or started saying before and went off on a tangent. We start coaching immediately. So even in the meeting where you're reviewing the report, you can say, this is what your child did. This is where she's struggling. And this is what we're going to do over the next you know, whatever you want to say, few weeks, first few months, you know, giving them a time frame, and then start coaching immediately with this is what I want you to do. And so you can see some good examples on that course. I think I'm talking about this little girl had a lot of nouns, and she she was echolalic, so she had a lot of carrier phrases or catch phrases or, again, you know, little echolalic things that she said all the time. But she did not understand a lot of directions, and we kind of boiled it down to, you know, anything beyond label. So she had difficulty with action words or verbs. She had difficulties with descriptors, which are adjectives and adverbs. She had difficulty even with some early prepositions. And so when you start looking at, you know, why isn't she following directions? What are these specific gaps? You know, she had some big areas with vocabulary development. And again, it wasn't that she could that she didn't say these words because she did. She was really repetitive. She 
you know, if you modeled something for her, she was going to imitate you, but she didn't always understand it. And so in, and you'll see on the video clip, in the very, in the second session, in the, in the session where I'm meeting with them where it's kind of the meeting, and she was a kid that I was seeing privately, so we didn't have a service coordinator or a team leader or anything to coordinate that meeting. It was just me and them. <laughs> but we're looking at her report, and I start immediately saying, this is what we're going to do, and this is why we're going to do it. So let's take that specific example where she wasn't following directions. So that was the problem. That was the the situation that we identified that parents wanted to change. They wanted her to follow directions. And so I'm able to say, here's what here are the strategies that we're going to use, but here's why she's not following directions, because she has some big gaps in her receptive vocabulary. Just because she can say it expressively doesn't mean that she understands it. And because she's so smart, you know, because she can program your DVR and because she can, uh, you know, she's memorized dozens of books and movies doesn't mean that she understands all of these words. And so you have to really explain it and you have to say things like, so that means we have to really back up and work on these individual words to make sure that she understands. You know, she was uh, a kid who learned things in chunks, so she was a just taught learner. And so it was easy for me to really kind of explain that to a parent when I gave them really specific examples from their own child's <laughs> Uh, behavior from things that she did when I was there the first time during the session, I could say, you know, she didn't understand or she she did not, let, let's just say she did not put the toys in the bag when I asked, asked her to. And that's because she doesn't always understand location words or prepositions. That's confusing for her. So what we're going to do is give her lots and lots of visual cues. And I would say, you know, we're going to use a, a teller, shower, helper. So we'll give her some verbal cues, we'll give her some visual cues, and then if she doesn't do what we asked her to do, if she doesn't follow that direction, we'll get in there and help her. We'll give her some physical assistance. And so see what you're doing is you're setting up, okay, here's the problem. So that's this is part of the introduction piece. And here's why she's doing it. She's got a receptive language issue. She can say things, but she can't always understand it. And and let's break that down a little bit more. Here are the specific things that we're going to work on to make that better. And and the reason that you want to do it is she has not been able to just pick up what words mean in the course of everyday conversation and in context. We've got to back this up and really do a lot of direct teaching so she understands what these individual words mean. And you've seen what has happened because she's not understood. She does not always follow what you say or follow directions and that's a real problem for her at three and so again you're you're framing the problem and you're introducing your strategy with and here's what we're going to do about it and here's why we're doing it so that's the introduce part and again for some parents especially after you've seen them for a while it may only take you 30 seconds to a couple of minutes to set that up, but for some parents, you may have to spend 10 or 15 minutes really talking through that and really explaining what's going on, and that's a big, big part of therapy. And some people view that, that, that part of coaching as, as a whole thing, but I don't think it stops there. I think that's just the beginning. That's what gets us going. So that's the introduce part. We're really discussing what the problem is, discussing what our solution is or what the strategy is or the recommendations or your therapy approach, whatever that happens to be. And then we'll go on and say, 
let's do some of this. Let's try this out. Here's my idea about how we're going to put this strategy in action. Let, let's pick a play routine or let's pick a daily routine that, you, you know, let's have a snack. Or if mom says, you know, she just flips out whenever I tell her um, she can't go outside or she just has a meltdown when she wants the red cup and I don't have the red cup. You know, it, whatever that's been, whatever situation a parent tells you that they've had trouble with, that's what I try to do in therapy. I try to address the specific thing that's happened. A lot of times it's not that problem-oriented, though. It's more like, oh, she doesn't talk. She doesn't ask for what she wants. She um, can't tell me when she wants to go in the kitchen wh- what it is that she is needing from me and so again it really depends on whatever your specific situation is but my recommendation here is do it (laughs) actually do an activity where you can see if your ideas work where you can see if the strategy that you use with her or that you want a parent to use with that child is actually successful and so that's the do part you're really really implementing that that idea you are letting a parent again see when it works but you'll also see when it doesn't work and that's the real part that sometimes we miss too with coaching we just kind of talk parents to death and I think I've shared this before too on the show but it was such a great example where a mom sent me an email a couple years ago and she said you know all my therapist does is sit on my couch and drink my coffee I need to know what to do I mean she gives me she talks about it with me she tells me what she might try but we never actually get around to seeing us do anything. She said, and I feel like all this girl knows how to do is kind of preach at me, but I would really like for her to do something else. And so, again, I'm not slamming that therapist per se, but I'm saying, gosh, we've got to get to the part where the parent really feels like they are empowered to actually be able to implement and do what you're telling them. And so we have to really get to that part, too. So be sure that you are uh, doing that second part, the do part. Be sure that you are showing a parent exactly what you want them to do. And remember, again, this can, remember what we said at the beginning, you can teach language anytime, anywhere. So don't get so caught up in, hey, I'm in a clinic setting, and the mom says that she you know, has a hard time at bath time. Well, I can't give her a bath, and I don't really know what's going on because we're here in the office, and that doesn't make sense. You know, do something like set up some water play or just do something that would simulate that situation where mom is telling you, hey, I'm struggling and I need help here. And, again, varying your activity so that you can see, hey, how is this uh, strategy effective you know, can we use it in a play routine? Can we use it in something that's a little bit more stressful for the kid? Like, say it's winter time and you're trying to get her coat on her and her boots on her so she can go out, leave your office or leave the school. You know, that's a fantastic time for parents to kind of share with you what challenges they have with dressing every day. And so be sure that you're looking at trying to match what a parent says that they're having some difficulty with with what you can do in that different setting to still kind of address what the problem is. And listen, I'm trying to, you know, as I'm listening to this, I'm thinking, oh, my goodness, it sounds like I'm just only thinking about what's a big problem or what's the, 
when is it the worst time of day? I'm not really I'm not really saying this is the only time that you use parent coaching because we can certainly set up all kinds of really fun things to do too. Where or it's just general. Remember what we said before with you know, kids just not asking for what they want. They're not requesting. So you can certainly set up all kinds of requesting situations. And you want to vary it. You want to have it where they're practicing your strategy, whether it's, you know, in something that's more confrontational, where the kid's a little bit upset, like we've been talking about, or where it's just real fun and you are playing and interacting and having a good time together too. So think about how to how to balance those kinds of activities that you're using in a session where some things are Lots of things are real play-based, but you're also kind of getting down into those daily routine things that parents really, really seem to struggle with. And so you want to be sure that a parent knows that they can use strategies within those activities too, and vice versa. You'll have some parents that are all about, you know, oh, I make him use his signs when he's asking me for something at mealtime, but they don't think about signing during playtime or signing during bath time or just signing when they're reading a book. You know, mom sort of has compartmentalized all the strategies that you have uh, introduced. And, again, sometimes the parent might only do these things during speech therapy. (laughs) They don't really think, hey, this is something I need to be doing all day, every day with my child. And so be sure that you are varying your activities enough during your time with the family so that they realize, hey, this isn't just a speech therapy thing we do. This isn't just something we do when she's here at our house. This is something that we can actually do all the time. And really that takes some forethought on a therapist's part too because that's not a parent's responsibility to, to really plan what you're going to do in therapy. And, again, some of these parent coaching models, I mean, I have seen some really kind of cuckoo, off-the-wall stuff where they just want a therapist to go into a home and blend in with what the family's doing and, you know, whatever the family's doing that day, that's what you're going to do in therapy. And I've said that kind of thing before. And I, I, I do mean it in the sense that, you know, if mom's baking cookies, oh, my goodness, what a fantastic opportunity. Let's talk about all the things that we've been doing that just slide right into this this fantastic activity that you're doing with your kid. But at the same time, that does not relieve us of our professional responsibility to have a plan <laughs> when we are going into a family's home. You have to know what you want to accomplish that day and what strategy you're teaching. It could be that you just really want a parent to be more responsive. You want a parent to really look at all of the nonverbal ways that their child is trying to communicate with them. And so certainly in that situation, you're thinking, okay, I'm just going to kind of hang back and see what they, they have planned, and I'm just going to go with that. But you're still saying to a parent in your introduction kind of piece of this, hey, I think that your child is trying to communicate a lot more than we have given him credit for, and I want us to really pay attention to that. So whatever we're going to do today, whatever you have planned, if you want to go outside and play in the backyard – our part here today is to really look at how many times he looks at you because I think he's trying to get your attention, and I think that we might miss that. Or you'll say, you know, I think he's trying to point a little bit. Let's see if when we're playing with him today if we can measure and notice how many times and really keep account that he tries to point. that he's, Or, or let's say you're doing something like joint attention where you're trying to really work on helping a parent see he is better at this than he used to be. So let's really look at how many times he can shift his attention. And so you'll say to you, the parent, you know, I want us to do everything we can today to be as visually engaging with him as we can. So 
when he's playing with something and he's paying attention to something and he looks up at us, boy, I want you smiling at him. I want you just completely engrossed in what he is doing, where you are making eye contact with him, you are not distracted by anything else, where we are totally focused on what he is doing. And so you're saying, and then then he goes back to his activity, then he looks back at you. You know, that's joint attention, that's shifting attention. And I want us today to really focus on that and see what we can tweak about ourselves. Can we position ourselves differently so he looks at us a little bit more often? And that's what we're going to do today. And, again, it doesn't matter, you know, if mom says, oh, I really didn't want to play in the backyard. It's 95 degrees and that's just too hot. You know, she may say, let's just go play in his bedroom. Let's go let him you know, let's go in there and see what's going on. Or you could say, you know, let's jump on the bed instead of jumping on the trampoline. Let's see what we can get there. Let's see if we can get some of your same little cute games that you've been playing with him outside. Let's try to do those inside and see what we can get. Any of those little things. And, again, that's the introduce part. And then you do it. You you actually do that activity. And, again, you are telling mom, even though you were fitting into what she already had planned for the day, you were saying, hey, this is what I want to accomplish while I'm here. And we can do anything you want to do, <laughs> anything you have planned. You want to wash clothes? Let's go wash clothes. You know, And, again, it may not be that, that specific or that direct. But whatever mom has planned, you still know this is the strategy that I really want this family working on. And you are sure that you are talking about it and that you are helping a parent recognize that when they do it or when their child demonstrates a new skill that you've been working on, that you're pointing that out, and that you, again, or, or if a parent is doing, that you think, oh, you say, you kind of interject and you say, hey, remember when we were talking about this? This is the perfect time to implement this strategy. You know, let's go back to our joint attention example a second ago. Let's say that you are, let's use that same scenario, too, where mom said, hey, it's way too hot to play outside. Let's just go play in the playroom today. And the kid likes trains, and so he's at the train table. You can say to mom, okay, now remember what we said about joint attention, and remember those things that we said that we have to do a lot of positioning with ourselves so that he can have more of an opportunity to look at us. So where do you think you should be while he's playing to get him to really, really look at you? And so, you know, again, do that kind of verbal, out loud planning where you are talking about that strategy even ahead of time. Or you may wait and kind of see what happens. Mom might be right beside him, you know, and plays with him for 10 minutes. And then you say, you know, Mom, he's just not looking very much. You remember, we're, we're working on eye contact or we're working on joint attention where he has to look at you and what he's doing. And he can't really do that as well when you're right beside him. So why don't you try this? Get around on the other side of that table and see if that doesn't help some. Or you might say, did you notice he's looking at me a lot? That's because I put myself in his line of vision. Or that's because I've sounded super fun when we're playing. I've done a lot of silly noises. Have you noticed how many times he's looked at me? And so, again, you are doing that activity, but you are making changes as you go. And you don't want a parent to feel like, you are criticizing them or that you are being super judgmental or anything, you just do it in a real, you know, non-threatening, non-parental kind of way 
so that you're really saying, hey, this is a better way to do it. And that's why we're there. We're not really there to tell a parent everything they're doing wrong. We're there to make things better. We're there to say, hey, this is what I would try. This is what I would do. And, again, if you screw it up, all the better. You can say, that did not work because of me. This is what I did, and this is what your child did, and this is why this was not successful. And so let's do it again, but this time I'm going to try this. And so you're being so transparent and so open about your own clinical um, plan or your own thinking process. You're saying out loud, this is what we did, and this is this is what's going on, and this is why it didn't work, and this is what I want us to try again. And remember, that's all part of this do piece, uh, that, that implementing the strategy within an activity. All right, so we've said introduce, that's part one, and then part two was do, and the last part is review. And again, some of us kind of do this at the very end of a session where we're sort of on the way out the door. But the review part needs to take place well before the session is over. And, and on that is an autism course. You can see some good examples of me talking to parents about how the activity went. So we're evaluating what worked and what didn't work. And remember, we've done some of that during the activity, but this is kind of the wrap-up piece where we are saying, where we're just, again, summarizing what worked and what didn't, what we might do differently. So if you're talking about to a parent about how things went, let's say you're doing a play routine. Let's say that you played in the sandbox and you are <laughs> coming up with ways for him to uh, follow more directions. And so you would say, so today... The, what he really had trouble with, let's use that earlier example, you know, he had trouble with when we gave him a new action word. So we didn't really understand words like dig and dump and, you know, whatever word, whatever other words you're trying to say. So you say to mom, okay, you know, that's a real receptive language issue. He's not understanding. He's not processing or comprehending everything that we're saying to him. And remember today we noticed that a lot with new action words. And so let's write down some new actions that you can work on this week and then you kind of go through their daily routines. You can say, okay, so when he's eating or at mealtime, let's come up with some new action words that he doesn't understand and let's just focus on these, you know, two or three little new words this week. And then at bath time, let's focus on these action words. And when you're outside playing or when you're playing here in the playroom like we were doing today, let's let's come up with some targets, with some goals for these helping him understand these action words. And so you might come up with a little list of action words and then you remind mom, you say, now remember what our strategies were for that. Remember he responded really, really well when we told him what to do and he still couldn't do it, then we had to show him. So that means, mom, you can't just tell him 25 times. You've got to get in there and do it yourself. So if you're telling him, um, you know, let's go back to our dig example. You know, you've got to be sure that you have the shovel and <laughs> that you were saying dig, 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 or whatever it is. You know, again, you can use this example for anything, but you, you're, you're really reminding mom of what your strategies are, not only what that little goal is. You know, we want him to follow directions, and that means he has to understand these action words, but here's what you've got to do about it, and you're reminding her 
of what her strategies are. And I'm saying like this, using this example with her, like this only happens with moms, but thank goodness dads come to therapy too. And we get the opportunity to work with dads too, or grandparents, or daycare teachers, or whoever. So we're really, really reminding that adult who loves that child what those strategies were. And that's the review part so that we are talking about how it went. And, again, we're going to do a lot of that as we go. But at the end of the session, I think it's super, super important that we do a wrap-up or a summary where we're really saying these are all the wonderful things we did today. And here is how your child responded. And here is what I want you guys to do at home this week or, you know, after I leave, I'm going to come back next week, and here are all these things, here are all these ideas. And here's another part of review that I say all the time, and I say to parents, now, I want you to really think about how we did, because you know how I am. I'm going to ask you questions. <laughs> I want to know what went well. I want to know what was hard for you. I want to know how he responded. And so sometimes I'll say to parents, you know, I know it's so hard to remember with all you have going on, so if you just want to take some notes, that'd be great. Sometimes parents will email me kind of updates as the week goes sometimes they'll text me and say oh I got a new word today when we were doing this and then that's a reminder so that the next time I see that family I say hey what about that text that day that you said that he said something new what was that again and so you go through that together and again that's an important part of review even when you get back even that next time you see a parent you're asking hey how'd that go what 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 went great what what was hard what was hard for him what was hard for you and you're really doing that problem solving and tweaking piece where you're talking about what you can change to make communication easier for that child let's talk about something else really quickly before uh, we end the show today and that's about timing it is so important that you talk with parents about timing with when they're going to work on their strategies how they're going to implement it and again we already said a little bit of this with you'll talk to a parent about specific times and very detailed instances where they can implement the strategies that you're using together but you also want to talk to them about the best time to do a lot of these things because some parents again have fantastic instincts where they kind of know man he is so sleepy I am not going to try to get him to say this word or use this picture with me because he has just had it and sometimes parents think that they have to push through everything and that every single minute of the day is almost torture or drudgery working on the speech stuff it is not supposed to be like that at all <laughs> and so talk to parents about timing with strategies and timing with techniques we talk I talk to parents a lot about getting kids in that sweet spot so that they are warmed up they are ready to play they are ready to listen they are ready to talk and so again You'll have to say that. And so, and it may be that, you know, again, you're having a session where the, the kid is just off. He is just so dysregulated. And you might have to say to a parent, look, this, this timing is just completely terrible right now. We have got to get help him regroup. Uh, we've got to help him recover. Recover is a word that I use a lot, especially after a child has had a meltdown or just, uh, you know, something has just, we've just gotten totally off where, you know, it kind of feels like a power struggle maybe, 
or where things just are not, uh, where a child is just not happily interacting. And again, we know that children are not little robots. They're not all going to be perfect all the time, and neither are we. And so you can say to a parent, you know, here's just a situation where our timing is off. Let's switch and do a new activity or, or if he's hungry, you know, let's say, you'll say to a mom, you know, when's the last time he ate? Because he's so cranky, and I know that he really does better with me when he's happy and when he's full and when he's rested. And so, or you might say to a parent, you know, we've been running around out here in this backyard, and it is just, he looks worn out. We have got to get inside and cool down and calm down so that we can regroup and recover and try something new. And so talk to parents a lot about the timing piece and how important that is, especially when a child has a lot of sensory uh, regulatory issues, when he's really easy to set off or when he just is irritable. And you can say, look, you know, I don't think we should be trying right now this hard to get him to respond to us. If what I want us to work on right now or let me give you some calming strategies or let me give you some things, you know, let's talk about what your OT says that we should do when he's not really participating and when he seems so um, just irritable or so so resistant to what we want him to do. Let's think about what we can do, too. And you say to a parent, hey, this is part of speech therapy. You might think about this as part of his OT or DT or whatever, but or PT, but this is really setting the stage for him to interact with us. And he cannot listen to what we're saying and comprehend what we're saying when his little system is so... Um, revved up or it might be a low arousal kind of day when a kid is just really flat and really non-responsive and so you might say hey this is part of it we've got to get him revved up a little bit we've got to get him where he can really um join in and where he's really interested in what we want to do and so we you know and and you say this again this is part of speech therapy this isn't just something that you do for ot or or whatever other discipline that you want to think about that or think about that with and you say you know this is we've got to get him in that regulated just right spot that sweet spot where he can really really play with us and listen and talk and so you you talk to your parent about that and with timing a big part of that too is helping a parent be more responsive to their child so that they can recognize that now some parents when you say he's having an off day they think you mean okay let's just pack it in all right that's it for today see you next time (laughs) sometimes you do want to do that if they're sick or they are just so sleepy they can't participate or that meltdown has just you know gone on for 40 minutes now and you think well this is just ridiculous you know i'm getting nowhere with with this child or with this mom and you sometimes it is better just to say look we're going to try again next time but a lot of times we do need to help parents work through that and we do need to help them learn what works and what doesn't work and quitting is only (laughs) completely leaving kind of that that your session is an option but it should not be your go-to option when things get really really rough you should be talking with parents about how can we work through this what can we do to get him uh, calmer and and get him really engaged with us again and really interactive again and and talk about that and say again I know this doesn't just happen in speech therapy I know this happens all the time or it's my suspicion that it does so let's talk about what we can do and let me give you some ideas and let's try some of those and see what works and, and what doesn't work and I always talk about to parents about first and foremost we have to have this child 
regulated. And so if there's a physical need, you know, if there's a wet or dirty diaper, we've got to change that diaper. We've got to stop and do that. Or if they're... Um, if they've just had it, if they're just really, really exhausted, then we need to sit down and do an activity that's calming and that's not as challenging. And so we talk to parents about that timing piece. Sometimes parents don't think that's okay in therapy. They think, oh, we've got to push and we've got to do it, and it's, you know, just it doesn't matter. Whatever, you know, the means justify the ends. If, he, you know, we just, we've got to get through this, da, 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 da. And sometimes that is just not the best approach. And so you have to teach a parent how to pull back a little bit or how to regroup, how to try something else so that they can see that being responsive and really looking at what a child, what's going on with a child is the most important thing that they can do. And as therapists, you have to model that. Now, parents will always know their kid better than you do. So, so as a therapist, you may need to say, hey, when he's this upset, what do you do that works? And listen to that parent and get that feedback. But sometimes parents won't have any idea what they should do. Sometimes parents just kind of want to look at you like, okay, you did it. You made him this mad. Now you get him unmad. <laughs> Let me see. You try to get him happy after you've gotten him so PO'd at you. And so there are some times where you will have to ask, hey, what seems to work in this situation? But there are some times where you're just going to have to dig deep and think, what can I do to help this kid regulate a little better? and get back to a happier place so that we can all, all move forward. And parents need to see you do that. They need to see you as a therapist be able to think on your feet. And I get a lot of parents, gosh, I bet once every couple of days I'll get an email from a parent who says, I cannot believe how much my kid hates therapy. He cries the entire time. You know, he, it, this is horrible. You know, what are your ideas? And again, without being there, it's so hard to say what would work for a particular child or in a specific situation. But that's what you as that child's therapist, that, that person who knows that kid, that's, that's where you can make a big difference, not only by asking a parent, well, what do you do in this situation, and then making some tweaks to that, but also giving them some new ideas because they may not know what they could do that would help their kid calm down. They may not know um, the deep pressure and heavy work might be really, really regulating. They might not know that drinking a cold drink through a straw works like magic for some kids who really need some help settling down. They may not know, let's try a crunchy snack. They may not know, okay, let's jump on the bed for 10 minutes, but then let's immediately kind of snuggle up in this beanbag, you know, or get get him kind of play like a taco game where you're rolling him up really, really tight in a blanket and you're rolling him around and just not putting very many demands on him. You're just kind of letting him chill out and calm down and regulate. They They may not know those kinds of things. And so you really, really have to, teach a parent that and and again that's all part of timing that's all part of you saying I think we should try this or you know let's go out and swing right now because I think that would you know that's really rhythmic he really likes this I can see that he's not wanting to he's so busy he doesn't really want to settle down and and really he can't follow directions because he's not really listening he's not really listening because he's not really interacting with me and I can't get his attention with these you know five things that I've tried so let's just go sensory and get outside and swing a little bit so you're explaining all that to parents and you're saying let's see if this works a little bit or if it's you know you their mom says I don't want to swing right now because it looks like it's about to rain you can say okay well let's swing him here in the house if you got a blanket or or mom why don't you just pick him up let me show you how I was just kind of swinging in my arms and so you're doing all of this problem solving where parents are really really hearing you and watching you and seeing 
how it would work for them and giving them just a new, some new ideas, some new strategies in their own bag of tricks that they can try when their child is, is really um, not at his or her best. And so I think, too, helping parents learn how to manage a child's level of stimulation. So when they're overstimulated, you're giving them calming techniques, or when they're understimulated, you're helping them, again, know how to engage and know how to interact a little bit better. But you're really teaching parents how to read a child's cues. And that's what I said before about being responsive. Kids, Parents have to know what to do for kids when they're in those really tough spots. And some parents are better than that at others, and some parents have done a beautiful job of that through infancy and then early toddlerhood, but then the parents kind of think, well, he's two now. He should be able to handle this a little better, or they just they, their expectations change because another person is there, or, you know, whatever, or they're, they brought him to your clinic and they're just totally embarrassed that this is not going very well, and they feel kind of guilty about that when, you know, and you have to say to a parent, well, none of that is on you. This is just how your child is regulated. This is just one little point in time. This is no big deal. Let's just try these things and see what happens. You know, they've got to hear all that. And that's, again, that's that back and forth and it's just all part of this parent coaching model with your introduce, do, and review. At any point during this time and this process, we have to really, really show parents and talk to parents and you know, try again with what might work. Uh, but that being responsive piece is something that I'm seeing more and more and more parents struggle with. They're just not quite sure what to do. And, again, they may have known what to do when their child was younger. They may do a beautiful job when you're not there. <laughs> but somehow introducing a professional into the situation just m- makes everybody, even the parents, more uncomfortable So you having to really draw them out, maybe something that you spend a lot of time doing and saying, you know, I just want you to tell me a lot about what you do when this kind of thing happens. Or, or, okay, you know, if I have been the person to get him so worked up and I can't seem to get him calmed down, what are the things that you think worked him up? How can we avoid that? What are and, and here's the truth, guys. There may be some children who are so sensitive that, uh, like I was talking about before, that other that little boy who did not like me for a long time. You know, you you have to have those conversations with parents and say, you know, this is just how he is. This is just how he's wired. This is his little sensory system. Just really goes over the edge much much more quickly than we would ever think would. You know, his frustration tolerance is so low. Some of this is to, some of it is to be expected as he learns these new things, but let's talk about what can make it easier for him. And some parents, too, get super, super upset when their children are so upset. So you sort of have to work through that for them, too, and really, you know, start to say this is all part of it. You know, boy, I would love it if he weren't this upset, and this is never my goal to make him this mad, and I never want to have a day like this with him again, but (laughs) it's bound to happen because he's got one of these little systems, so let's just kind of talk about what we could do differently to avoid this uh, in the future. And so, again, that's all part of parent coaching is helping a parent see what's going on, empowering a parent to jump in and do what they know 
works for their child and even to teach you. And that's back to this parent coaching model for parents. Hey, you may be coaching your therapist. <laughs> you may have a therapist that you think, well, there's a better way to do this. I wish that, you know, I like you and you've got some potential here and I know that you've got some good ideas, but you are not hitting it off with me or my child. You may be, as a parent, using this with your therapist, with saying, hey, here's what I want us to do today. Here's what I want you to teach me how to do, and here's the context that I want to do it in. So here's this activity that I want to do it. And then at the end of the session, as a mom, you may be talking to the therapist. You may be reviewing, hey, this is what you did today, and here's what you did that I think worked great, but here's what didn't work great, and what can we try next time? And there are a lot of parents who say to me, hey, you know, I read your therapy manual or I saw your DVD, and I've sort of started taking the lead in therapy, and it's going a lot better now. And so be sure as a mom or a dad, if you're listening to this and you have those same feelings, use this, use this model during therapy yourself with planning what you want to see happen in therapy that day and then make sure that the therapist does it, the do part, and then talking to the therapist at the end, saying, hey, this is, how this, this is my assessment of how this went. How did you see it? What are we going to do next time? So I am prepared. <laughs> what do you want me to do this week at home? And, oh, my goodness, that happens all the time where parents say, you know, there's some things going on in therapy, but I have no idea what I'm supposed to be working on at home. And so if you're a parent and in that situation, you should just say to your therapist, look, I'm going to take this session today to really talk about what we've been doing and for you to show me how I can do this kind of stuff with him on my own. And then at the end of all that, you need to say to a, the therapist, let's review. Let's talk about how it went. I want you to give me some more feedback and some more tips. Now, that may surprise some therapists, especially if you've never had that kind of relationship or those kinds of conversations. But it's absolutely the thing that can turn kind of a mediocre uh, set of circumstances or progress your child has not had very much progress but then you really kind of say hey I, I want us to do this differently and and I want to talk to you about your as a mom you're saying this to the therapist I want to talk to you about how this is going and I want you to teach me some new things that I can do and then I want us to be, talk about how I did so that if I'm not doing everything that I can do I want you to tell me and so as a parent you may have to take that position where you were really saying, let's review, <laughs> let's talk about how this went because I need to know what to do when I am not with you. I need you to explain this to me and give me some new ideas. And, again, it may take a therapist by surprise. They may need a session or two to kind of wrap their heads around, hey, mom's going to really be a part of this now. <laughs> but that's good, and it's okay if you're a little bit uncomfortable as a parent or a therapist in that situation because that's what makes us all grow and change and and get better and better and better. All right, so that's all for today. I hope that you got some new ideas about parent coaching. Remember that those three words, introduce, do, and review. If you'll use that model, I think that makes things go lots more smoothly. All right, thanks for listening. Have a great week. Bye-bye.